Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au. Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball. And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals. All thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au. Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball. And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals. All thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Day or night, summer or winter, he's the sound of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Morena, New Zealand, good morning to you on this uh, fabulous Monday uh, as we head towards Christmas. Gee, it's not too far away, is it? Uh, we've got a cricketing first hour, and I uh, make no apologies for that. Cricket's pretty hot at the moment, uh, and particularly one bloke, and in, in really outstanding. He's captured the world media by storm, hasn't he? Uh, just after 10 o'clock, uh, we'll review Bathurst with Sean Summerfield. We'll probably look at Formula One as well. Has that just got really interesting this morning? Jamie Wall and Sam Ackerman are on the panel this morning. Louis Herman Watt before uh, midday, a visit to the TAB, and then as usual, just after 11 o'clock, Vossi. Uh, perhaps uh, a little bit of cricket there with Vossi as well as we head towards the Ashes, starting on the 8th, which is Thursday at the Gabba. Fantastic week of cricket ahead. Sport is our religion, and here is Smithy's Sermon. Well, two questions arise from the simply astonishing performance by Ajaz Patel in Mumbai over the weekend. And it was that. Only the third person in history to take all 10 in an exit test level. Blue Moon, Haley's Comet come to mind. That's how rare this comes along. Having demanded more aggression from the spinners, we certainly saw it from his end, ripping and turning and deceiving. A real thing of beauty. Cricketing porn, as the legend that is Kerry O'Keefe would describe. Question one. So unique, so incredibly hard to achieve, is it the greatest New Zealand sporting achievement of all time? Not just cricket, all sport. Nothing in rugby, league, netball, football can possibly match it. That leaves the Olympics. Carrington, Pascoe and Snell are candidates, I guess. Well, where do you put Sir Edmund Hillary and his conquering of Everest over 68 years ago? Mull it over. Talk to your colleagues. It's going to go down as part of an embarrassing loss, a humbling of the world champs, but don't let that cloud the issue. Question two, and this is the real interesting one. Will Ajaz Patel, having demolished India, pick up 14 wickets in the test match? Will he be picked to play in the next test we play at the Bay Oval beginning <coughs> New Year's Day? Normally, no. We get some grass on the deck, play the big... Four, Bolt, Jamison, Saudi and Wagner, easily enough, you would think, for Bangladesh. Will this amazing performance by the left-arm spinner influence our strategies that much? I doubt it. When you pick an 11, you look at the opposition and the conditions. History in this country says he won't play. That's not the way we do it. 
We went back to Southampton tomorrow. Would he play? No. At least he carries out the drinks. Uh, and if he does, can it be on a beautiful silver tray, suitably engraved with Mumbai, 4th December, 2021, 10 for 119, Ajaz Patel. The greatest achievement, I believe, in New Zealand sport. Now poo-poo that, why don't you? Well, the Black Caps are on the rack heading into day four of the decisive second test against India and Mumbai. They need 400 runs for victory. They won't get them. I've got five wickets left. They'll lose those. And Ajaz Patel's 14-wicket haul, the only real highlight to speak from uh, the three days so far. And joining us now to analyse the test is former Black Caps coach, current Royal Challengers Bangalore boss, Mike Hesson. Uh, Hess, good morning to you. Morning, Steve. Yeah, well, we lost the toss. We lost Kane Williamson at the time. From that point onwards, it was always uphill traffic, and we didn't pick Neil Wagner. So before we get to Patel, how did you sum up the start of that test match for us? Uh, look, I, yeah, I couldn't really work out why Wagner didn't play. I mean, um, as I said, it's more about knowing how you're going to get wickets against the opposition, and I think we saw guys that are going to bang it in halfway down on a wicket with bounce. Um, I think he was a good option. I mean, Will Somerville, um, you know, looks a little bit short of a gallop as, as probably did in that first test. But um, also a lot of right-handers in that Indian side. So, I mean, they're always going to look to dominate him. So it kind of took him out of the game. So I thought, well, I think that would have been a better choice. But, you know, unless you're on the ground, sometimes it's hard to make that call. Um, and, look, we just couldn't control the run rate in the first innings with the ball. And with the bat, we were, uh, yeah, we were poor. There's no doubt, doubt about that. Didn't have a defensive option and weren't able to sort of apply any pressure from a, a batting point of view. So uh, that left us in a pretty precarious position. Where do we... Um, I'm not quite sure the medical side of this. You may be a little bit more up on it, but this Williamson elbow scenario, is it's, well, it's debilitating for him, but it's, it's really costing us on a, on a much more regular basis these days. So are we looking at a, a major surgery here to, and, and a, a maybe six months out of the game or something or, for his continuance to play it long term? Well, I'm not sure the period out of the game, but I think it's got to the point where surgery is definitely required. I mean, you can't go into a test match, and I'm sure Kane will be the most frustrated of anybody. I mean, the fact he's he's given it a huge amount of rest and it just hasn't uh, recovered. I mean, he's missed, he's missed cricket throughout the last 18 months. Um, you know, initially he had a hip issue, but this this elbow has been going on for a long time. So I think he's got to choose a window. He's just got to he's got to bite the bullet really, um, get the operation done, and then hopefully come back fully fit. Right, OK, let's get to um, the, the crux of the Test match from our point of view, and that has been Ajaz Patel. Incredibly 14 wickets, but 10 for 119. Where does that sit for you as an achievement by a New Zealand cricketer? Oh, it's got to sit um, right up there with Richard Hadley. I think 9.52 sort of captivated the country, really. Um, you know, 1985-86, you know, those that were alive can remember that forever. And I think those that watched um, Ajaz Patel go about his work across that sort of day and a half, um, you know, as he just kept picking up wicket after wicket, you know, people started to think, is the dream alive? And, um, you know, to get 10 wickets is, well, it's only happened three times in the history of the game, which is just a phenomenal achievement, um, you know, against players who are exceptional against spin. So in a, in a surface that, sure, it offered a little bit, but it wasn't ridiculous. Um, and I remember talking to AJ as a, 
a couple of weeks ago with the T20s were on actually um, online, and he was just going, look, he can't wait to to get to his hometown um, in Mumbai, which is obviously where his extended family is. Um, he was excited about that. He, he knew there was bounce on offer. Um, so yeah, for him to have that in his sights, you know, weeks in advance, I mean, to go and perform like that, just incredible. Yeah, it was staggering. Absolutely staggering. Almost as staggering for me is that he got no help at the other end uh, at all. Um, and, and we look at uh, Will Somerville, who has bowled an incredible amount of deliveries in this test series. For Nout, I mean, what has happened there? Well, I just think that, you know, an off-spinner in India, um, in, against Indian players, you know, predominantly right-handed, they just eat that for breakfast. And, um, you know, they were able to pick their gap, whether it was long on, whether it was deep mid-wicket, they were able to just manoeuvre him around. He wasn't as consistent as we know he can be. Um, probably, you know, he really struggled to be able to control a line. Um, you know, both captains sort of in the first test and the second test both tried to sort of change plans and, you know, either go straight or go wide and just wasn't quite able to execute. So, look, I think, you know, Will will be frustrated in terms of he hasn't executed as well as he can, but, you know, this is a tough ask. You know, predominantly right-handed attack who just love that type of bowling. Mm. Now then, let's get to uh, probably the biggest issue of the lot is, is, is the batting side of things, uh, Hess. Uh, all out for 62... Uh, I, I just, I was mind blowing. Really, uh, it was quite staggering for uh, a side that has has played pretty damn well with the bat for quite some period of time now. Yeah, look, it was a real admiration, wasn't it, in terms of how well the guys have played for a, yeah, an extended period of time? But they just don't, didn't really find out they've got a tempo. Um, I think we talked between tests about you know, them having to be a little bit more decisive in terms of looking to score, but it was a little bit of all or nothing. Um, you know the old block bash kind of mentality, and you know, you know, Jadeja, you know, he didn't play this test, but crikey, they've got a pretty able replacement and Giant Yadav. Um, you know, against our left-handers, he was effective. But you get Ashwin, Axar Patel has been exceptional, and they just they know how to bowl in those conditions. They bowl quick, and if you're not decisive in your footwork or your decision making, you can be exposed. And um, you know, we talk about how tough it is to start over there. Well, only two blokes got to double figure, so no one really got a start. Um, and then you're you got you basically got you're waiting for it. You know, the ball's got got your name on it. So unless you're actually looking to score, and then the second innings, to be fair, we've gone out and been almost reckless at times. Um, so it's just trying to find that tempo that we just yeah we haven't quite found. Yeah, uh, it is, and it's going to be a mess. I think it's going to be over at some stage today, without doubt. Um, so I guess they finally pay us back and there they've been sitting waiting for a while you go back to Manchester in uh, 2019 then to Southampton then of course to the, the recent T20 uh, I, get they, I guess they get their vindication uh, and aside, that's an interesting side too no Rahani all of a sudden, no Jadeja uh, Coley just steps back in and takes the reins and of course because he's about to win um, he's guaranteed those reins for a long period of time now yeah, look, I mean, they've got depth, haven't they? I mean, they, they often, they say they're injured, but, I mean, we knew heading up to those games there were going to be some tough choices. Um, I mean, Jadeja obviously was because he'd play in any team, but Rahane was, was sitting there waiting to, to be left out, really, um, other than the fact he capped in the previous Test match. But with Shreyas Iyer doing what he did, um, once again, further depth that India's created. I mean, you know, um, Virat Kohli's record as a as a Test captain is just exceptional, um, and the, their ability to play in India uh, is pretty much the same as us playing in New Zealand in terms of we're almost unbeatable over here, and India are pretty much mm. the same. So, 
if you go over there and, and you draw a test match or a test series, it's pretty good effort. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we've definitely been outplayed in the second test, no doubt about that, with the exception, of course, of Agas Patel. Which leads me to my final question for you. Um, would you put, I mean, we go to Bay Oval on December, on January 1st, actually, New Year's Day uh, next year. We go to Bay Oval normally. We look at four quick bowlers. Uh, are we in a situation now where Ajaz Patel might not even play in that test match? I mean, um, if we go traditionally, probably wouldn't. But what about now? Uh, oh, I can't see how he can. I mean, he hasn't got a test, he hasn't got a wicket in New Zealand, um, and it's like it's like mm. chalk and cheese in terms of the conditions. So, um, I think just if you're playing him because he bowled really well in India, <laughs> you know, it doesn't mean that he's going to do the job in New Zealand. And I think, as I said, he's had his crack in New Zealand, hasn't quite been able to get the job done. Um, you know, if he was able if he was able to bat more, and that's where someone like a Russian Ravindra comes into contention, really, um, because your spinner just doesn't play a role for the first two and a half days, three, maybe even four days of a Test match in New Zealand. So, to play a frontline spinner who can only do one thing, um, and you're still winning the Test matches, that you know you've you've got to pick horses, courses. I would think. Yeah, I totally agree tough, with you. Though, yes, I know you've got to go. Yeah. Oh, mate, that's a, oh, I mean, I can't think of another sport where you achieve to this this. To that level on the world stage, uh, and then you can't play the next game uh, if you're fully fit. I, I just can't think of an, another sport that, <laughs> no. that would incorporate it that way. Uh, however, mate, I know yeah. you've got to fly. So, yes, uh, thanks very Thank much you. for your time this morning and, and summing it up so quickly. Cheers, Mike Hess in there, uh, of course, former Black Caps coach. Yeah, we'll catch up with uh, Hess uh, on Smith and Hess and later in the week to review the whole situation. But uh, yeah, very, very interesting there. Uh, so, uh, at double eight, double three. A um, couple of questions there. Is it the greatest sporting achievement in New Zealand ever? I mean, I, I think it's there. I, I think it's quite up there. I mean, do you rate, is Sir Edmund Hillary a sporting achievement, mountain climbing as such? Um, do you, I, I guess it is a sport. It's a pastime. Uh, so do, do, we, uh, do we talk about that uh, as being the greatest, or has Ajaz Patel gone past that, the greatest individual sporting achievement this country has ever seen? Uh, how about this? 414 bowls uh, in the balls bowled. This is from uh, John Day's research. Bowled by uh, William Somerville in the two-match test series against India. He conceded 237 runs across four innings but failed to pick up a wicket. Only eight players have bowled more balls than Somerville in a test series without claiming a wicket. Uh, seven players conceded more runs. The Ospinner was second on both lists for New Zealand with Matthew Hart going wicketless in the home test series against the West Indies in 1995 where he bowled 426 balls for 256 runs. Uh, look, honestly, what this is the most incredible sort of uh, series for statistics that uh, I can recall for quite some time. So is this, in, this my, in, in your eyes, is this the greatest sporting achievement, double eight, double, uh, double three? You might even want to phone us on that. It's so uh, important for me. And also, it's 0800 by the way. Uh, and the other thing is, uh, would you pick... Would you pick Ajaz Patel in the next Test match here at home? Isn't it ridiculous to even uh, think about that? But as Mike Hesson said, no, you couldn't pick him. You couldn't pick him after 14 wickets against India. You couldn't pick him at home. That is quite staggering. Where does that leave spin bowling in this country, the future of it? You finally uh, ask the question of a spinner. He comes up to Trump's to that regard, and still you don't consider him at home. Wow, amazing. 9.17 here on SENZ, get those texts in, uh, phone us if you want to, it was remarkable, absolutely remarkable, that cannot be denied.
From behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 9.22 here on SENZ and uh, wouldn't be Monday morning without uh, Cliff calling in from Dunedin. So Cliffy, what uh, what were your impressions of Ajaz Patel first of all? Well, good morning, Smitty. Uh, I, look, I take the hat off to the guy. He, he, he plugged away there. He kept putting the ball in the right areas. He didn't let them, didn't get worried if he was getting hit, if he got hit for a four. He didn't drag it down too much. He kept a nice, a nice tidy line. And, and he knew there was a little bit in the track. He knew that, you know, his time would come if, if, if he put it in the right spot. That the guys would make a mistake, and they did. And, you know, it was a shame there was nothing at the other end, really, other than Saudi, who uh, had a couple of good spells. But, you know, I take the hat off to Ajaz. Great, a great effort, you know. Like, I watched it, and I thought, this guy deserves to play a lot of cricket. But I just, I'm hoping that we can. If, if we had played Bangladesh or a few series here, and if we could go in with Bolt, Wagner, Saudi, and we could play Patel. It just depends on the with who they want to play. If Colin de Granham was in the side and, and he batted at seven and the keeper batted at six, then there's plenty of room to play the three seamers, have an all-rounder and a left armour. And that gives us a good balance. But I just don't know that they're so keen about playing a spinner if they don't think they're going to get away. He's going to get a lot of bowling. But I think Patel... Is the sort of bowler that you could expect to get the ball even in New Zealand conditions quite quite early, and he, he's tidy enough that he's gonna he can t- tie up an end, and and I'm sure that he can nip the odd guy out in, in New Zealand conditions. And if we get a good uh, dry wicket in the after Christmas, you know, Hagley or somewhere where there's a wee bit in it, you'll be dangerous. Mm. Oh, I don't see him playing against Bangladesh. Uh, I don't think they'll need him, uh, Cliff, to be fair. They'll pick the four big boys, Wagner included. Not. And they'll blast them, they'll blast them at uh, Bay Oval. I would be thinking that that would already be on order um, because the other thing you do not want to do but, is make it too uh, dry and, and uh, dusty for Patel because you're making it the same way for the Bangladesh spinners as well. So that's what you don't want to do at home. So that's right. I don't, see him being a, I don't see him being affected there against South Africa maybe towards the end of summer. Uh, maybe a chance to yep. perhaps play in one game there, bearing in mind uh, there might be an injury to one of the big boys, the Quicks. So that, that's a possibility, uh, but I, I honestly don't. Uh, you, look, you sound like you've, um, uh, Cliff, you've watched a lot of sport over the years, dating right back. Uh, where does uh, 10 wickets and innings rate for you in terms of New Zealand sport? Well, I mean, look, Richard Hadley's 9 for 52. I've seen it many times. I was I watched it live. On the tally, it was it was the greatest because it was against our enemy, nine for fifty two, and, and you know at that time Richard Hadley was there was no peer in world cricket, especially at, at the, on a wicket that had a little bit in it. It's not a green top; he didn't need that. But Ajaz Patel's ten wickets, you know, it's up there with Anil Kumble and and Jimmy Laker. You know, it's, you, you've got to take your hat off to the guy. He's got ten; he got them all. He, he, you know, he, he said, look, I'll just keep bowling here at the scene and I'll take the wicket. And that's what he ended mm. up doing. My worry yeah, with the test match was that we were ultra-defensive ultra at the start. 
by not playing Wags. Yeah, it was just it was a hard watch until until Patel's ten wickets. I thought that game was going to be very very poor for us because I just thought we we bowled not that great at the start and, and Patel bowled well, but the batting was was average to the best. A couple of bit of slogging in the second innings, but yeah, it was it was hard to watch our our side from the team that was in the you know previous in the world. Series, but in the last series, so yeah, we just got to pick ourselves up back here, and we'll do the business again. Good on you, Cliffy. Thanks very much. Uh, thanks for your confidence, uh, and of course, we'll be very confident when they come back home. But uh, pretty uh, depressing. Um, Mark says, "Hey, is this Test match over? Uh, why write us off? It's not unheard of of a team batting for the draw for a couple of days." What would you have said if someone said at the start of the match one bowler would take all 10 wickets in an inning, Smithy? You'd be having a punt on that not happening. Correct, Mark. And I'd also take a punt on us not surviving for two days as well. I haven't seen the forecast, but that would be our greatest ally at the moment. If we had 10 wickets, I'd rate us an outside chance. We've only got five left, and three or four of them are, or three of them are genuine tail-enders. So uh, let's not get too excited that this game's going to go far into today, because it probably will not. Um, interest Henry Nichols getting some runs at just the right time for him won't be enough to save the test match um, Ross Taylor of course that's uh, conjecture I saw a lot of texts come through for the breakfast boys saying that's it for Ross Taylor that is it um, that will be a discussion point I'm sure um, uh, whether he uh, deserves to in his own conditions ha- have a crack against Bangladesh we shall see I would be thinking that probably is the way they will go and perhaps maybe they should go but at the moment, um, he's uh, just not in touch at all, is he? Uh, he can't seem to, uh, to buy a run. And on that subject, uh, text coming in saying, it's OK, we struggle against spin, but what about losing three wickets to Siraj in the first innings? Well, he did bowl well. Siraj bowled well. Uh, he gave Ross Taylor an absolute cracking delivery, didn't he, uh, to knock him over. But that, that, the fact of the matter is you cannot afford to lose uh, wickets over there in India to the new ball because it exposes the underbelly to the spinners, and then you've got Ashwin coming in. So uh, fascinating, absolutely fascinating, uh, some of the texts coming in. So we shall continue to read them out. Is it the greatest sporting achievement in New Zealand sporting history? I mean, there's nothing in the All Blacks. There's nothing in the All Blacks to compare with that on an individual basis. Nothing in football um, from an individual point of view. Nothing in league, nothing in netball. Um, maybe something in the Olympics. Is there? Is there something in the Olympics that perhaps is the, the greatest performance uh, of all time in terms of New Zealand sport. I'm racking my brains. I'm, I'm just trying to think that uh, perhaps AJS Patel tops the lifts now. It's uh, coming up to 9.30 here on SENZ. Very busy and informative first half hour. I don't expect it to change in the next either. Look forward to the new, uh, news break here with Trudy. I hope it doesn't either. Um, you know, you look at Richard Hadley's one back in... 1985, of course, that was the spearhead for an ongoing success, first time ever on Australian soil. So it's kind of associated with that. So we won't want to be talking about the result attached to this performance. So uh, 14 wickets uh, basically at one end. Um, Rachin Ravindra comes in and picks up three at the other end. But there's a big uh, glaring question mark, I guess, over uh, Will Somerville. Certainly not the same workload, but perhaps not the same confidence to bowl Will Somerville. Uh, what did you see in in, uh, in Will Somerville's performance or lack of? Well, once again, it just comes down to the fact that he, he, he's probably not a wicket-taking option. Yeah, he, he can tie one end up if you needed to do that. 
But actually, even himself uh, in that second innings uh, displayed that he, he he's capable as well. So uh, you know, where do we go from here? Uh, do we do we take the bull by the horn and say, right, uh, are we going to continue bowling uh, four pace bowlers at home, or are we going to mm-hmm. take the positive approach to say that if we are going to continue to be, be competitive, uh, not only at home but overseas? We've got to pick more balanced teams, which include spinners. Um, you know, I, I always look back to our time, Smithy, and I'm sure you'd back me up on this. How often did we sit in a team meeting and actually talk about the spinner? What is the spinner going to? What role is it the spinner going to play uh, over the five days? Very rare, very rare. It was always based around the pace bowlers uh, and uh, how we're going to attack the, 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 the top order. Uh, and we're always going to believe that the the, uh, the pace bowlers are going to be chucked the ball once with the six down uh, pace bowlers come back and polish off the, the tail enders. And I thought that would hopefully our attitude towards spinners have changed since Ajaz's uh, incredible performance that uh, spinners can play a huge part. And it's fair to say that a large number of the Asian countries do rely on the spinners to win test matches for them. Uh, and it's only on the rare occasions that pace bowlers come in, in, into their own. So, yeah, I think that uh, we certainly need to look at our uh, uh, ourselves and saying that uh, if we want to develop spinners in the, in the future, uh, there's a lesson to be learned from Tom Latham's captaincy uh, and also uh, Ajazi's performance. What about uh, the batting performance then, uh, Dip, in this uh, in this Test match? What did, what have you put that? I mean, sixty-two, and then we're pretty much uh, down the googler here in the second innings as well. So, uh, what have you what have you put this down to? Without uh, massive hole without Conway and bigger one without Williamson. Is it just that we haven't got that experience and depth, and we've had that exposed? It goes in hand in hand, Stockley. Is the fact that. You know, our batsmen in the, in the first-class scene just don't play on turning wickets. Uh, or are they facing the quality of bowlers that uh, are going to challenge them on a regular basis? Um, mm. So you've got to look at it from that perspective, too, is that uh, suddenly we've gone into a test series and knowing very well that, uh, you know, that we're going to play on spinner-friendly uh, pitches. Uh, what homework did we do? What preparation did we have for our batsmen? Uh, have our batsmen got the right techniques? Have they got the mind, right mindset to overcome uh, uh, the, 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 the issues they're going to face uh, out there? Um, and it's, it's, it's not, as you well know, it's, it, it's not easy. Uh, you know, when you're facing three quality spinners like they have, they've probably got, you know, imagine if uh, Jadeja was playing as well. So we, we would have been... Uh, I think we might have been in a worse situation. So, mm. yeah, we, we certainly need to... We can't just brush it aside and say, well, right, we've got the home series coming. We're going to win that 3-0. Our pace bowlers are going to run through the opposition. Are we any better uh, going into the next series overseas? Uh, so we, we, we've got to look at it very closely. Is that, uh, yeah, we, it starts from almost at grassroots, I suppose. Are we teaching our batsmen how to place them? from a very young age so that when they do get to test level or even first class level, um, have they got the, the the mental application? Have they got the temperament to play against spinners and bat long periods of time? 
a different turning ball at the fact that you're probably only going to score at two, three runs and over. Uh, have you got the defensive technique to be able to combat the turning ball? Uh, so those are the main issues that we really seriously need, need to sit down and, and address and, and, and in depth as well. Yeah, well, yeah, the, the first one I've got to address as well is um, at the point you made earlier. I mean, I, if they're picking the first test team to play against Bangladesh uh, on the first uh, of this first uh, of January next year at the Bay Oval. Um, normally speaking, you, you know what they'd go. They'd go for four seamers: um, Wagner, yep. Bolt, Southey, Jameson, uh, and uh, Patel probably wouldn't even be in the discussion. Uh, what do we do now? No I mean, what do we do to to reward this? What what do we do to reward this now? Well, and in, in terms of that performance. Well, well, why don't we take the bull by the horn? And like I said before, is it, why don't we produce a, a, a wicket to help the spinners? Why don't we place three spinners against Bangladesh? They'll have uh, uh, some decent spinners as well. And let's see if we, whether we can win at home on a turning wicket. Um, that'll be the starting point, I would think. Uh, certainly. That would be my advice, is that, uh, yeah, uh, how, how, how desperate are we to develop our spinners? Um, and that, that'll be the challenge, yeah, definitely. Uh, I know it's not the right time of the year and you can bring a lot of excuses into it, but given, given the fact that uh, if you said to a groundsman, uh, have you got the experience uh, to, to produce a, a wicket that's going to help spinners? Um, you know, have we sent our, our groundsmen to India to do, do the research? How do they do it? Uh, there must be a secret to it. I'm sure that it's not just something that they just under-prepare wickets. Uh, because if you look at their pace bowlers, uh, they seem to get a, a fair bit out of the, the wicket as well. So, yeah, it's a huge challenge. There's no question about it, but you've got to embrace it. You've got to have the right and the right attitude, you've got to have a positive attitude and saying no, we, we want to kick on, we, we, we've learnt our lesson, uh, whereas in the past it's just brushed aside pushed under the carpet she'll be right, we'll mm. pick our four seamers and we'll roll teams over and yeah, we, we, we know any better Yeah, for me that's a, it's a positive out of it because it's creating, it's creating some, uh, a situation where I think uh, we've got to do something about it, and I fully agree with you on that. Uh, one of the other things, though, it should not cloud the fact of is we haven't got a, 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 enough out of two of our very key batsmen and Ross Taylor. Henry Nichols at this stage is, is going to be fighting a bit of a lost cause. We know that. So he might have bought himself a bit more time, but four and five have been very disappointing for us. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's what it comes down to, is the fact that it's not easy. You know you're going to face spinners for 80% of your overs in India and Pakistan and Bangladesh. So, you know, it's not just the middle order, it's also the top order. Uh, once you do get over the new ball, uh, are we going to have enough experience, enough experienced batsmen to be able to combat that? Uh, so, yes, for Roscoe and, and, and Nichols, it's been a tough, tough uh, two-match two series, but yeah, where do we go from? Have we got the stocks to replace them? Uh, those those will be the big questions. I'm sure they'll be asking themselves. Yeah, it's going to be very, very, very interesting. Meanwhile, we've got the business of uh, trying, I think, in a pretty forlorn hope to save a test match today. But hey, Dip, thanks for your... Uh, I mean, it's it's been great talking to you over the last uh, 
month or so about the spin bowling uh, scenario, and I think um, we've learned a lot. I, I think we've, I don't think we've discussed spin bowling as much as uh, we ever have, as in the last couple of months, no, and that can only be a good it, thing. It goes, yeah, it looks like it's starting to disturb you, but it goes deeper. Well, what are we doing at grassroots levels? What are we doing to encourage these spinners? Have we got the right people? Uh, teaching these spinners the, the ability not just to spin the ball, but have you got the, the the ability to bowl variations? Are we encouraging? That's where we've got to start. It's no good going to the very top because we know we've got limited resources there. We've got to go lower. We've got to go to grassroots. We've got to identify a handful, or if not more, spin bowlers and develop them. Mm. Get them over to India. Yeah. You know, get them to go and play cricket over there. Go and get coached by uh, some of their top uh, coaches. Try and invest into those guys, the young people, the sort of 12 to 18-year-olds. Get them over there. Get them to understand what's required to become a top-grade spinner. I think that's where they've got to start. Uh, I think it's a little bit too late at the top, uh, but at the same time, uh, we've got to get get into our grassroots uh, with the spinners. We've got to take, we've got to identify them and teach them and give them the opportunity. Well, hopefully uh, a lot of our young kids now want to be Ajaz Patels rather than uh, Trent Bolts uh, and Tim Sowleys, and maybe that's the start to it, um, Dipak, with the support that you are asking for. So, hey, thanks very much. Uh, thanks for your time this morning, mate. Well, regardless of the result, a great, a great weekend for New Zealand spin, I feel, anyway. Always a pleasure, Stockley. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Yeah, thanks, uh, Dipak Patel there. And uh, he's been very honest and frank over the last uh, month or so. And uh, finally now he's got a performance he can point the finger to and say, let's back up for that. And yeah, hopefully there are lots of uh, young kids now this weekend and over Christmas wanting to spin the ball and be like Ajaz Patel rather than the quick bowlers. Uh, That might be a start to building a base. 9.45 here on SENZ. Keep those texts coming in. Uh, There's plenty of them. Greatest sporting achievement of all time in New Zealand history. Uh, a lot of people aren't prepared to uh, take a punt on that. I am. I reckon it's right up there. Uh, we'll be back very shortly. Voice of sport in New Zealand. Superman! Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 9.51 here on SENZ. And it's a very good morning to Richard from Omaru. Richard, what's on your mind? Hey, Smithy, how are we? Yeah, we're good, man. We're very good. Yeah, so um, I think it's probably one of the best displays of bowling I've seen. I think you, I know that when you look back at Richard Hadley, I mean, he had it at nine for fifty-two, but you know, that's ten wickets in India against those Indian batters, and I think that's probably one of the best there, Smithy. You know, I think it was yeah, just look, a phenomenal display of bowling. I, I think you, you've got a point there uh, when you factor in all those things to do it. In their backyard uh, against their very best, or most of their very best, I, I think uh, is well well worthy of it. Um, the Hadley one, I think it might be clouded a wee bit because of the end result, but I, I don't think it should be, Richard. I, I think it's a standalone performance in that regard. Yeah, exactly. You've got to look at it, you know the individual performance. I mean, I know it was Hadley that we won that test, but the thing is, is that this one, it's just regardless of our batting. I think we've just got to look at it as an individual performance. But, um, Smitty, just, just before, like, there was, we were saying earlier in your show about a few texts saying about Ross Taylor. And I think, you know, it's, you know, when I, when I watched that innings with him last night, it was, it was kind of sad, really, because it's like, 
you know, after that w, the World Test Championship final, he got that 47 night out to help win that game. And then after that, he's gone pretty much six months without, you know, any cricket. And I think he was having throwdowns with the sun. And he's gone over to India with hardly any preparations. And he's gone into that test series. And I think it's just, you know, he just ha- hasn't had any game time. I think it's just, yeah, I think it was just poor, just poor preparation, I think. You know, I don't think it's anything on Ross Taylor. I think, you know, he's done a lot of service for New Zealand cricket and, I think it'd be a bit unfair to just think, well, okay, Ross, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're having a bit of a slump. All right, we're gonna we're gonna drop you now. It's like I'd much rather see him come back home here, and if he decides to hang it up at the end of the summer, let's do that and in front of his, his home fans and and his family around him. I think we, we've got to just, you know, yeah, he's had a couple of low scores, but you know, I still want to see him still playing. And I think you know, when you look at India, I mean. Overall, how often does a team actually win in India? You know, we don't play spin mm. that well, and I just think that you know, it's I I, I want to see him playing back at home, Smitty. Yeah, uh, thanks very much for your call, Richard. Uh, I echo those sentiments, and I think uh, once uh, common sense—well, I won't say common sense, but reason prevails. Um, you know, we just haven't we haven't played that well over there in terms of the bat, so. Uh, you know, we hung in there in that first test. That was a bit of an illusion, really. Um, but uh, in all honesty, uh, I don't really think that uh, we got uh, the best out of uh, too many of our batsmen over there. So uh, I think that uh, Ross Taylor will come home. He will not want to go out on this note. And I do not think that they'll let him. Anyway, 9 for We're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. You got to know when the whole Smithy's multi. No when to walk away and no when to run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Uh, it was a disaster. The Friday one uh, compounded even more so when West Ham knocked over Chelsea. That was a, a real turn up. So uh, let's have a look at today's one. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs to beat the Denver Broncos, American football, uh, with a minus 8.5 deficit. So that's at a buck 87. They've got to win by nine or more. Uh, the Utah Jazz to beat the Queensland Cavs at a dollar forty-eight. Um, I think that's a goodie. And then tomorrow morning, Everton against uh, Arsenal. Everton trying to get out of that relegation zone. Arsenal sort of mid-table. Three thirty for a draw there. Overall return nine dollars thirteen. This is mornings with Ian Smith. change into Murray's corner now for the final time second gear lines it up the 2021 Repco Bathurst 1000 winner is Chaz Mostert well done Chaz Mostert Lee Holdsworth his first ever victory at Mount Panorama well, I'm not quite sure it's there with the Melbourne Cup in terms of a race that stops a nation, but it stops a great proportion of uh, the nation. Tremendous in it, interest in it yesterday. Bathurst, of course, I'm talking about. Uh, it wasn't quite to be for Kiwi supercar champion Shane Van Gisbergen, as Chaz Moss did, as you just heard, won the Bathurst 1000 in his Holden. It was a phenomenally good performance uh, by Moss 
Um, and, uh, you know, there was a lot of competition in it and some uh, real drama, as always you would expect from the great race. And to review it for us now is uh, Sean Summerfield. Of course, Sean is uh, CRC Motorsport on Three's host. Uh, it just absolutely loves uh, that day of the year, I'm sure. Uh, Sean, did it live up to expectations for you, mate? It, it never fails. I think I'm nice to talk to you again, buddy. I, I, mate, you know, I, I was thinking about it afterwards, and also this morning with Formula One. You can do all the marketing and, 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 and talk up a sporting event and try and, you know, make it exciting, but nothing can be great competition. And the thing with Bathurst now is it's not an endurance race. It's just a bunch of sprint races in between fuel stops. They don't let up. Mm. Uh, I mean, the, the speeds that they uh, manage to average, uh, and that's what I think, the average speeds are incredible. And this this uh, performance by Mostert from pole position to top of the podium with the quickest laps as well, uh, fully justified that end result. Oh, well, well and truly. And, and, you know, he wasn't without drama. Uh, in his first stint, he managed to, uh, he was taking a bit much curb. And if you haven't been on a track, those curbs might just look like red and white. Um, sort of lines, but they're not. They're actually like a sawtooth shape, and they can be very hard on the tyre, especially if you go out over them. And he managed to pretty much take the skin off his tyre, delaminate the, uh, we call it tread, it's a slick, and um, the heck of a sound it made. It sounded like there was a mechanical fault with the car, and that, that put him down. It put him out of sequence as well with his fuel stops, and it looked like it was all gone, but he was just so damn quick, and there was a talk after the race that obviously they knew they couldn't win the title I mean Shane has been phenomenal this season Triple Eight have been phenomenal this season one two in the championship but they they treated the Sydney rounds where they where they had these four four rounds and each one as a learning process to get the car right for Bathurst and they took what they'd learned and um, mate that car was a rocker but don't you know, just because you've got a fast car, it takes more than that to win Bathurst. And Lee Holdsworth is the driver, if you like. He's not a regular driver anymore, but he's driven there 17 times before. What's really interesting is he did an extra stint. He was going that quick, and most of it was a bit naked. And and that shows you that having two really good drivers uh, can, can do the job. But it's the romance of it, Smithy. And, and you know me, I love the romance of sport. Everything about that race is got some especially at Wind Cup's final sort of full-time drive paired up with Craig Lowndes. You know, there was just so much cool stuff. Incredible amount of co- uh, cool stuff in it, Sean. Yeah, 18, 17 starts uh, for Holdsworth. 17 starts. And Yeah, 17 starts, though. I mean, that's incredible. And all of a sudden, uh, you find you're probably uh, given away the possibility that you'll ever win it. Uh, and now in your 18th start, you actually stand on the podium. That is something real special for, for Holdsworth. And could you imagine, though, that you're, you're not um, race fit. You haven't been racing these cars. And then suddenly not only do you have to race them, but you're racing at this six and a bit kilometre track, which is just so demanding and ready to punish you at any moment. Uh, you know, it, but it's as daunting as it is exciting. But, uh, yeah, honestly, just... It's exciting since I was 11 years old, Smithy, and it ne- I've never watched one that I haven't thought, gee, that was awesome. Well, it looked like uh, SVG Shane Van Gisbergen was going to stand on the, the podium in, on, on one particular step anyway until that puncture was seven laps to go. Yeah, look, he, I think it pretty much overdrove. He was doing everything he could to catch him, and 
I mean, as the commentary said, we know Shane. He he doesn't do anything by halves. He was putting the, everything he could into that drive to, to catch him. I do, they didn't have the raw pace of that other car. What they did too is they changed the aero to the front. They put some blanking plates on the front of the car to so less air went into the cooling, and that increases the downforce. So the front of the car weighs more, but then the back of the car weighs less, if you like, by comparison. The car starts to skid around a bit at the back, to, to put it in layman's terms. So it became a harder drive as well, but he's the most naturally gifted driver on the planet, without doubt, but eventually took a bit much curb, damaged the tyre, and that, that was brutal to finish 18th because he was, you know, he deserved a podium in every way, but, you know, you saw the reaction. He got the, the fan favourite, driver favourite this year. He won the championship. Uh, you can pretty much call it a good season for him, Smithy. Mm. Well, dominant. I, I think you've got to look at dominant involved. Uh, first one since 2016, so five-year... Uh, Hiatus there, 14 race wins, 23 podium finishes, six pole positions. So that's undoubted, that kind of performance over that period of time. Yeah, so we've seen his his dominance and his his form this year, and he's always developing as a driver. The other thing about the series, they're going to these new cars, and Chia the Kamara and and Mustang, the Gen 3, but what's what's really cool is we've got the drivers like Pasquale and Brown, Kaseki. There's a lot of talent coming through. And uh, the, the new guard is looking really promising, and which is great because it's tough for a series. The world's changing with what we're plugging in our cars now. But, uh, yeah, but I should say that they run on 85% um, ethanol. It's made from sugar. So um, they're sweet as, as I'd say. Sweet as. Very well put. Very well put. You mentioned Jamie Wincup. Wincup. Uh, that's a name we're going to miss uh, for, as a full-time regular driver. He's been phenomenal for the sport. Yeah, it's funny. Wink up, some people go a bit cold on him, but I've, over the years, I, you know, regularly interviewed him and chatted to him, and I found him to be a thoroughly decent bloke. Maybe people got sick of him winning. He wasn't uh, sort of over the top. He had this belief that his driving could do the talking, compared to the likes of Murphy and Lowndes, who sort of came. <laughs> Might have lost uh, Sean at the moment. Um, we might have gone into um, uh, a non-communicative area by the sound of it. Just uh, dipped out altogether. We'll just uh, hold an abeyance and hope that uh, he comes back uh, in a short space of time. I can see our techo boys are uh, behind the scenes trying to work on something there. He just uh, disappeared. Um, and I want to get his opinion on... Um, on uh, okay, sorry, sorry Sean. Um, we, we, we lost you for a second there. I don't know what quite happened, but... I was just going to look at his record, Wincup's record. You were talking about the fact you think he's a decent sort of a rooster after all. And, and uh, look, hey, uh, seven supercar titles, four wins at Bathurst, 123 career wins. Where does he rate all time for you? Well, on, on paper, he's the best. Whether he's at that whole thing is, you know, it's like the Schumacher-Senna um, sort of debate. But the fact is he is, um, you know, he is the winningest driver. A thoroughly decent bloke, and I tell you, here's, here's what summed him up, sums him up for me. At Hamilton a few years ago, he smashed up the car before the race, and he didn't pick us. He couldn't race. He spent the weekend helping out with commentary, going and meeting fans. He didn't pick a sad. A lot of drivers would have picked up and gone home, and and I just saw this other side of him, and uh, I, I I think he's got to remember that as as 
he'll always be one of the greats. He might not be a fan favourite, but you can't deny... Yeah, I'm not, I'm not quite sure what's happening with the phone there, but I think we get the, the gist of it there from uh, uh, Sean Summerfield. That is, um, I'm not quite sure you, you're going to get him back, John, or we just plough on. No? Oh, he's back now. We'll try, uh, we'll try, we'll, we'll try again. Try with, uh, with, uh, Sorry, uh, Sean. Hey, uh, yeah, yeah. Hey, no, no problem at all. Uh, whilst we've got you though, um, and uh, that was a good review of of Bathurst and the supercar season. You couldn't write the script, could you, with this Formula One all of a sudden after what happened this morning? Fen- phenomenal. Oh, for Jesus, just just a just just phenomenal. I mean, we know Lewis has got a a rocket now. What they've done to upgrade that car, it was always going to be hard for Max, but they got lucky with the red flag, got ahead and. It was holding on, but these two are actually now whacking into each other. They're off to the steward's office now. But, yeah, you talk about writing the, the script. I mean, the fact that they're tied going into Abu Dhabi, um, it, is, it is all on. And can you imagine the tension now, you know, for both of them? Lewis, he, he's got a chance to, you know, confirm his place as the greatest. You've got Max who wants to stop that. He wants to prove what he can do. You've got Red Bull that, you know, racing with Hondas last season in Formula One. It is just, yeah. I mean, you actually could not write a better script. I know you couldn't. And, um, you know, we're so, I think that that last race will, uh, will actually rate, rate through the roof. It's just um, such a great um, climax to what has been a phenomenal year in motor racing. And particularly, too, uh, Sean, uh, with the two Scots and IndyCar from our point of view, which promises so much for next year with uh, McLaughlin getting, of course, Rookie of the Year. Uh, we missed him in the supercars, but we certainly didn't miss him in the Indy cars. Oh, mate, he, he is just a phenomenal talent. And just a, New Zealand should be so proud of this guy and, and what he did in his first year at IndyCar. I mean, you know, I've, I've met, met drivers that have uh, gone from Formula One and, and thought about IndyCar. Some of them refuse to race on those ovals. It's, it's, it's a big old brave pull. The speed is insane. You actually, I mean, I've been lucky enough to be at Indy. When those cars come past the first time, you think you're ready for them. You actually stop breathing. They're doing close to 400 k's an hour. And he's just adapted. There is nothing he can take from from supercars to, to IndyCar. Completely different machine in every way. And he's adapted so quick. And then Scott Dixon, I, look, I mean, maybe I'm biased because I, I, I love, I love motorsport, but... He has to be seen as one of our greatest sportsmen. The, the career he's had is phenomenal. Well, it's, it's about longevity and performance over a long period of time. Uh, I have no doubt about that, uh, Sean Summerfield. And I, I, I'm pretty sure he will be regarded by that pattern, just not uh, you know, predominantly motor racing fans. It, it just cannot be ignored anymore. Hey, Sean, hey, thanks so much for your time this morning. Uh, it's a little bit of a rocky line, but we got there in the end, and uh, just like... Um, Mostert, we finish with a flourish. Thank you, mate. Appreciate it. Cheers, brother. Cheers. Sean Summerfield there, of course, uh, so knowledgeable, uh, hosting that uh, CRC sports program uh, on TV3, motor racing, just uh, absolutely amazing. So that, that's something else you can come in on. And Bathurst, we haven't even uh, really touched on that, but we could uh, we can have take any of your, your texts or, or calls about Bathurst as well, the great race. Um, meanwhile, uh, we shall also uh, look at some of these uh, text. We've got a panel coming up very shortly. Uh, best sporting achievement, uh, Peter Snell's Olympic double gold. 
uh, following followed by Daniel Loder's double gold. Trentham on Saturday, says Steve, still spewing. Had a horse in the group run, travelled to Wellington and back from Matamata, rescheduled for Tarapa, which suits, but uh, rain forecast all week. Regardless, um, I, I, I can't leave Auckland, so there you go. I mean, it's just very, very frustrating all round. I had, uh, I must say, I had a, a quick chat with uh, JGG Barry yesterday, John Barry. He had uh, horses down there as well, and uh, very, very frustrating that you can... Have that unfold on such an important day for the Wellington Racing Club and the racing calendar. Uh, so the beneficiaries, Tarapa, this week, they get uh, a couple of classic races to add to their uh, carnival. Michael Campbell, as uh, a suggestion, is the greatest sporting achievement of all time. I would say that that is right up there, except that Bob Charles had already won a major. Um, and uh, I know it's it's very, very tough to do. Uh, or nigh on impossible coming from New Zealand, but... Uh, it isn't 10 wickets and innings for me, and uh, Michael Campbell, uh, I'm sure, would have admired that. Uh, so uh, Bob Charles, Michael Campbell, dual winners, only one A.J. Patel, 10-wicket performance. What about the late Ivan Major, six World Speedway titles, says Mark? Uh, yep, totally agree with you, absolutely agree with you. Um, and uh, that's right up there, absolutely right up there, but is it the one? Is it the one? Um, uh, I... I, I I'm not quite sure, actually. Um, maybe I'm just being a bit knee-jerky about the whole thing. But um, and uh, on the back of um, on that performance, Chase from Waiuku has come in and said, "Hey Smith, if you want to develop world-class spinners, then they need to play in all conditions, like Ajaz Patel. If it's in a smaller role than in India, also we need to get Ish Sodi back in the Test lineup after what some of all served up in India. It'd be good to back up Patel and spin the ball both ways, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it just Chase? Wouldn't it just?" Uh, it was a great performance, Smithy, but I still rate uh, Snell's Tokyo double gold as higher up. Uh, everyone in the world has an opportunity to run. Not everyone has a chance to play cricket. Interesting point, that. Uh, Justin has come in and said New Zealand beat India, beat England, uh, New Zealand beat India in England in four days. They've beaten us in much the same time frame. The conditions suit your team. You're pretty much unbeatable. Uh, I, I think that's probably right. Pat- Patel sits with Snell's two goals. As the greatest in respect to spinners in the subcontinent, we join Aussie, UK, etc. struggling in their conditions, and they reciprocate back in theirs. So some great texts there, um, some absolutely great texts coming in. Uh, oh, Cam's come in and said, uh, how good that cricket is on Sky again. Do you think more people have watched it because it's on Sky? So uh, the thirst for cricket grows. I hate to say it for those who live in rural areas with crap internet, will unfortunately not watch a game when they play in New Zealand. I really think New Zealand cricket is missing a trick. Uh, to re- really promote uh, their game. I-, I would imagine you're right, Cameron. I would imagine more people will have watched uh, that performance by Ajaz Patel because it was on Sky than it would have been if it was on Spark. But it's uh, it's the way you look at it. You, you take the money to develop the game um, as opposed to perhaps um, blanket the coverage a little bit more. But that was a decision made by New Zealand Cricket uh, quite some time ago, back in uh, 2019, actually. Um, so, uh, and they'll defend it, and um, maybe they should too. It's 10.19 here on SENZ panel next. Ian Smith on SENZ. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Jamie Wall and Sam Ackerman join us this morning uh, on the back of a remarkable weekend in terms of cricket anyway. We're going to lose the test match. I think that's uh, pretty much uh, fait accompli, but... Uh, Jamie Wall, we got very, something very special, something perhaps uh, we didn't think we'd see in our lifetime. We saw Hadley with nine for, uh, Ajaz with ten for. Where does it rank for you? 
Oh, good morning, guys. Uh, yeah, it's, it's up there. And um, to be perfectly honest, I'm, I'm happy to defer to your opinion, Smithy, on, on this one because you obviously had a very good view of the last the, the last best test bowling figures that, that someone had. And, uh, you know, if you're rating it as, as the highest uh, achievement, then you know, I'm happy to go along with that. Um, couple, I mean, for me, up until this point, I think, uh, and, and it's been echoed throughout the morning by, by you, People texting in. I mean, for me, you know, the feats of our middle distance runners uh, at the Olympics over the years is is the ones that have stood out for me as the as as our greatest sporting achievements, um, just because of the openness of that, that those events. You know, Lovelock, Snell, Helberg, and and John Walker, and the fact that New Zealand's managed to have such a such an amazing presence in those in those events, but. But yeah, uh, it's an incredible. It was incredible to watch uh, AJ uh, Patel um, pick up all of those all of those wickets. Uh, you know, and it's just seemed kind of interesting because as soon as he sort of got about four, uh, the first four in a row, people started to tweak like, oh, he's on to ten here, you know, because no one else is really doing anything on that pitch. And uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I think so. I think uh, I think you know, unfortunately, it's going to be always talked about. As uh, a performance that was then backed up by one of the worst batting performances of all time and, and a crushing defeat, uh, but um, hopefully that that will fade away in time and um, and we can talk about it the way we talk about the way the time Lance Kens hit six sixes at the MCG and we only remember the good bits uh, and maybe Nathan Nesson's mm-hmm. two twenty two as well. You know, we just just remember the good bits. We can focus on the team. Yeah, there's the Brendan McCullum's 300 as well that you can throw into the cricketing club uh, as well. But uh, Sam Ackerman, uh, I'm not sure he bowled better than Richard Hadley, but at the end of the day, it it is the greatest achievement because you cannot get better than 10. Yeah, and statistically, it it works in the favour. And to do it in India um, as a player whose the story he has to tell... Sir Richard Hadley, with the greatest respect, was already well on the way to being um, regarded as our, our greatest ever at the time he achieved what was a... Uh, everyone knew that he was something special by that stage of his career. Whereas I don't think everyone would have... If you, I'd asked you um, a, a year ago or six months ago, the new, a bowler is going to take 10 wickets in a test match, where would um, Mr. Patel mm-hmm. be on that list? Probably not that high. So to achieve what he has, uh, the weight he's gone through to get there, the story of being able to do it in the uh, the city he was born in where he left at eight years old to become a uh, New Zealander and, and during playing for the Black Caps, um, all the, the whole story adds up to something pretty special uh, and one that he's catapulted him into the uh, not just the annals of history, but the, now he, he tells a story of anyone playing cricket out there. And we've all been there in the backyard or playing at... Um, club level as a young young fella. Anyone who wanted to be a cricketer, you dreamed of you know emulating Hadley or being those people or or taking the the winning wicket. And I've got to say, even as a kid, I don't think I even allowed myself to dream in my in my imaginary world that I was taking ten wickets in the innings. I mean, it's mm. it's insane. So uh, an amazing achievement. Um, and look, Brendan McCullum's three hundred is is as we know, it's unparalleled in the batting stakes and amazing. Um, but we always knew that Brendan McCullum 
had that in him if the stars aligned. So it's it's a completely different uh, achievement. And for one, I think, speaks to the New Zealand underdog and the anyone can do it and roll up your sleeves if you try hard enough, if you believe in yourself opportunity. So it's special to me uh, in, in that regard. And it goes along with those uh, the wins that were completely against the odds rather than just uh, great achievements. I think of uh, the Kiwis winning the World Cup and Rugby League and these things that people didn't think would realistically happen. Even though you're in there in the contest and it can, uh, no one really thought this could ever happen. And uh, Jamie's right, it's, it's backed up by a, a dismal batting performance afterwards, but I, I, I get the feeling that in years to come, people will remember the stats and less about the test. And I feel it's the same way with, uh, with Richard Hadley's amazing figures too. Yeah, I think you're probably right, actually, uh, both of you in that regard. I'll, uh, I'll just get you to stay with us. We've got a quick news break when I come back. Um, I'll ask you the question, uh, both of you, uh, should that guarantee him selection in the next test? I, I mean, it's only 14 wickets after all. Um, <laughs> and I'm, I don't know. I, I, it's an interesting one that um, uh, Mike Essen came up with a no straight away. So uh, we'll get your opinions too, thanks. Jamie Wall, Sam Ackerman, uh, very shortly. Coming up 10.30 here on SENZ. Talk, big opinions, the panel. Sam Ackerman, Jamie Wall with us this morning. Yes, Jamie, just picking up on that point I made uh, prior to the news, uh, can you imagine any other sport where you have a world-class history-making performance and you're not considered for the next uh, time your team runs out? Uh, and, and that is a real possibility because of the way we play the game in this country. It's, it's quite staggering. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? Um, I, I've definitely been thinking about this one because, I mean, you know, if I was in charge, I mean, he could, he could do whatever he wants. He could open the batting if he, if he, if he so chose. But um, I, guess, I guess that uh, it comes down to what this, what this pitch is going to be looking like on, on New Year's Day, you know, and, um, and whether, you know, what, what gives the Black Caps the best chance of winning. And um, I, I don't think it's going to surprise too many cricket people if, if Ajax doesn't actually... Uh, get picked um, for the next game because it's not the sort of game where you want to take in a, a special spinner or that that time of year where you want to do that. Um, but I think I think um, one thing I mean from the from the last batting performance is uh, you know he, he's actually he's probably pretty handy with the with the bat so they could they could look at that that aspect of his game um, because the rest of those guys aren't aren't really showing up. Uh, but. But yeah, it is something that is quite unique um, to cricket. Uh, I, like you said, I can't really think of any other other sport where that that, that might happen. But like like I said, it's, it just comes down to the pitch, uh, really, and, and and what's going to give us the best chance of winning. Sad indictment, almost, uh, really, Sam, isn't it? In some sort of way, here's this here's this uh, young man now who, you know, I hope that a lot of kids are thinking about. Gee, I want to be Ajaz Patel all of a sudden. I want to get ten wickets. I want to be like him. I want to bowl spin. Uh, and now they're not going to even probably see him bowl at home. And then there'll be some uh, there'll be some batsmen who haven't exactly showed themselves in glory um, on this tour who will be um, walking into positions uh, because they're still considered the uh, top of the tree. I, I'd play him. I, I, I would um, say that that he um, first of all he used to be a fast bowler, right? So he can mix it up. He can <laughs> get out there and change it. You, you, need, you need to give a guy with that kind of momentum um, that kind of run. I also think that it sends, uh, well, it sends the right message that you're trying to win every Test match. And I say this with the greatest respect because they haven't a lot of respect in my eyes in, uh, in the last few years. Uh, it's, Bang- it's Bangladesh. It's, we're not playing Australia at home. Um, and I think finding out how, how a guy who has that kind of confidence at that level, knowing he can roll 
an entire Indian team by himself uh, could go bowling in conditions where he is used to playing in um, and at home. So I, I would absolutely play him. Um, I understand that you've got to be selective with your choices, but look, you're talking to a guy who would also pick Neil Wagner in every test just for the sake he's Neil Wagner, and I know he would never put in anything less than 250%. So uh, I'm, Mike Hesson knows a little bit more about cricket than me, uh, just a smidge. Um, so I, I take his word uh, on it uh, above mine, but there's no way in, in God's green earth I wouldn't be picking him. Okay, Sam, um, here, let's look at the other end of the spectrum, which is the batting. Uh, and uh, where do you sit with uh, Ross Taylor? Are we romantic? Are we saying, uh, look, he's uh, done great things for us over a long period of time. This is a glitch. Uh, he deserves um, more chances at home. He was given not much of an uh, opportunity as far as a warm-up goes, um, so that is to be, in my mind, somewhat considered. Uh, but look, he, he certainly, that's, we haven't seen the Ross Taylor we know, have we, on this tour? So uh, I think that he will probably get a, um, a, a crack at the start of the summer, uh, but we need to see a, a delivery um, from him. There is a lot of great batsmen now, uh, solid batsmen with a lot of experience who can um, step into the breach. We don't need to rely on... Um, performance solely of um, of Ross Taylor and and Kane Williamson as we have in the past. I mean, Daryl Mitchell wasn't in the team and he comes up with with half centuries right when he comes in to replace Williamson. So that's the uh, the confidence that you can have in what there is to play. And it has been an aberration uh, and a terrible one at that um, so far in this Test match. But I would give um, Ross Taylor a run um, just because you know that he has the ability to deliver and certainly at home. So um, I. I can't think of anyone that I would put in ahead of him definitively is a short answer, Smithy. Okay, Sam, and, and you, Jamie, because um, uh, we're talking about a guy who is uh, quite clearly always going to be in our all-time 11. Uh, and we can draw Absolutely. parallels, I guess, across to uh, one or two, Jamie, across to one or two All Blacks at the result of that uh, recent UK uh, tour. Uh, are we hanging in with those guys just for the heck of it? Um, or do we need to be realistic about it or, or make a big call or is the big call to keep Taylor going. Yeah, yeah, you did right. There is a parallel there, uh, and that it's something that we're going to have to have a good, hard think about over summer. Um, I echo what Sam said. I think that you know, he's going to get another chance when they come back to play here, uh, and he, he's good enough that he could just bust out another double century in that, in that test. I, I certainly believe that he can, because it's... His class is certainly permanent, while his form right now might not be. But then at the same time, you look at that the, the last few days of um, the Black Caps with the bat, and he's, he's in good company. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think that, that there isn't really anyone anyone there that I would, I would particularly, you know, screaming out to be picked ahead of Ross Taylor. Uh, so I think that uh, he, he's definitely got this summer to, to, prove, us, to prove us wrong. Um, but yeah, you're right about uh, drawing a comparison with the All Blacks, um, just simply because, you know, at some stage he is going to have to get, uh, he's either going to leave on his own terms or have to get sh- shuffled on, and um, that's certainly what the Foster's are worrying about uh, right now. Uh, are we, um, Jamie, I'm not quite sure I've, I've spoken to you since uh, uh, too much about the rugby side of things, but... Um, now that we, we've got over the knee-jerk reaction to the last two weeks of that tour, are you, in all honesty, expecting any changes uh, in those areas that matter around the, the coaching department? Uh, will there be a victim? Uh, it's, it's hard to say right now. I mean, I think that 
you know, NZ Rugby definitely you know, put the ha- bet the house on, on Foster and he's assembled that team around him. So to start tinkering with what he's he's done uh, would be, you know, uh, it would be seen to be counterproductive. Um, uh, I read uh, something the other day about perhaps bringing in uh, a more old, uh, more experienced head just to sort of, um, you know, give a bit of guidance to the players and perhaps a non-coaching role, which which I think, you know, has a bit of merit. But then at the same time, it, it, it feels like, well, they, you got to remember the NZ Rugby spent 300 grand um, buying Brad Moore out of his contract with, with Scarlets and uh, to, to bring him back to be the assistant coach uh, as, as, the, as the attack coach. And that's the one thing, and despite you like scoring all those tries, you know, it's the one thing that let them down in those, in those last couple of games. And it's really evident that they've, you know, they're struggling um, to, to keep, to, to deal with, uh, you know, the improved defences of the, of the Northern Hemisphere. And so I think that if they would let him go, there'd be some serious questions to be asked about why they even got him back in the first place. So I don't know. I don't know if there's enough of a resolve by them to make themselves look um, look stupid in that regard. Okay, let's um, just try and change the subject, uh, if I can, Sam, with you. Uh, and uh, probably the worst pun in the history of broadcasting here. But does Bathurst spin your wheels? <laughs> I, I don't mind me some Bathurst. I'm far from a pe- uh, petrol head. I don't. I don't hang off uh, every race. But um, uh, Bathurst is appointment viewing in our house. Uh, we have some shoddily painted walls um, in one of our old joints that someone um, unfortunately inherited when we sold it because we were uh, sw- shoveling the TV around side to side as we reached walls and kind of craning our neck one way and slapping a, a paintbrush the other. Um, so. Yeah, I, we we certainly there. We were watching it. Um, my uh, my two uh, eldest, my lads, were uh, were transfixed by it and asking a million questions through the uh, through the background. And if my my son may be eight years old, but he's very sick of safety cars. I can tell you that. Um, he <laughs> blew up every time one came out. Uh, but he did, we we didn't mind the echidna break. He thought that was quite cool. Um, it was a, a, another great example of, of what makes it special. The broadcast of it has something um, electric mm. to it. Uh, there's an excitement level, and yeah, you can say some of it's artificial, uh, much like any kind of event that gets overhyped, where you know Phil Gould will say any tackle and say origin tackle. That's an origin tackle. That's an origin, whatever. Uh, there was a little bit overblown, but they they pulled off it. That's a great watch. Um, it's something you can drift in and out of um, throughout the day. And being you know, it's a shame to watch Shane Van Gisbergen uh, get his opportunity taken away. Uh, the way it did, but uh, he ran another great race, and I suppose we had to let the Aussies win another Bathurst at some point before they got disinterested, didn't we? We've been on top for so long now, so uh, it was another good example. We do watch Bathurst. Uh, we don't um, sink the same amount of piss that we used to um, with the children around. Um, just example setting and uh, the fact that they um, will take advantage of any opportunity they see. So uh, it was a uh, another thoroughly enjoyable Bathurst for us. Yeah, uh, cool. Uh, thanks very much, fellas, for your uh, review of the weekend. Um, maybe we can talk to you uh, in 10 days' time when the Black Caps save this test for the next two days, and that would uh, be right up there uh, with Ajaz Patel's performance, I think, almost as history-making. Uh, we'll be back very shortly. So many texts to read out, so we'll get stuck into the middle of those. Thank you. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yeah, 10.47 here uh, on SENZ, a number of uh, texts continue to come in. Hi Smithy, you could see what Patel's bowling display went to the Indian team, which was massive. Yeah, great shot of uh, Virat Kohli uh, at the end of that performance, going in to shake his hand. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, they have such an appreciation for spin bowling over there, and they've had so many great exponents of it over the years. Uh, to have come in, uh, someone come to visit their shores and take them apart uh, in the manner that he did, simply amazing, and he continued to do it in the second innings as well, not with the, great, uh, the greater level of success, but still uh, four wickets out of the seven that fell, 14 in the match is simply uh, stunning. It, it really is. It, it's very, very hard to parallel that, uh, bar Richard Hadley, of course, in New Zealand cricket history. Um, you know, imagine how good Jim Laker was. He got 19 in a whole test match. Staggering, really staggering that uh, someone can dominate to that extent when others at the other end can uh, really do nothing uh, in terms of breaking through. So, wonderful. Ajaz Patel, New Zealand cricket, uh, so short-sighted, says Charlie. They make Mr Magoo look like a man with 20-20 vision. Ajaz should be the Black Caps and Nathan Lyon. You'll always need a slow bowler. He'll only mature and get better. I think there's a lot of validity in that, Charlie, as well. But uh, I'm just looking at the history of New Zealand cricket and the history of how we win over here, and I don't see us uh, uh, diverting away from that path. Uh, we will pick uh, players over here and prepare pitches over here that suit Wagner, that suit Jameson, Southey and Bolt. Uh, that is the way we win. That is the way we got to the World Test Championship final, and in the end... That is the way we won the World Test Championship final. We love grass. We love overhead con- overcast conditions. Uh, we love uh, the ball doing plenty off the seam and in the air. And that is uh, how we excel at the moment. Uh, why, uh, G'day, Smithy. Why did Taylor not at least try to bat the situation? He could have batted for two days. Best batter there. Uh, cheers, uh, Cameron from Longlands Road, which is uh, right here in Hawke's Bay. Uh, Cameron, look, I, I would... I would not know what's going on. Ross would just like to survive the first 20, 30 deliveries, I would imagine, at the moment, and try and get himself set. And that's what he's trying to do. You, you, can't, uh, you, you don't really go out and look to bat for two days. You look to go out and just uh, play ball by ball and try to get yourself in. Um, and uh, that's not something that our batsmen have found too easy to do in this test match. So you've got to get yourself set. Uh, and then you start looking at the bigger picture, but uh, that was far from his mind when he first walked out to bat. Number of excuses, no cricket. Um, you know, picked him uh, basically out of uh, out of quarantine, out of lockdown. Got picked out of there. So I, I, I don't think there's, um, there, there's too much more uh, to consider in that regard. What you have to make your mind up as a selector is, do you give him a chance at home? I've got a text coming in and saying, uh, what about when Conway comes back in? Surely he just slots in for Ross Taylor. Uh, I think there's another thing you can factor in here. How good is Williamson at elbow? If he couldn't manage to get through one last test match in uh, India, how deep is this uh, this problem? Uh, what is the prognosis there? Does he need to take a summer off, a year off cricket, to get it right for the long term? How long would it take? I'm not quite sure what's involved, but you, you can't have a situation where your captain comes and goes almost on a daily basis because he's carrying a niggle. You wouldn't tolerate it for many other people in the side, apart from Kane Williamson, to be honest. 10.50 here on SENZ. Thanks very much. Uh, keep them coming in, and I'll keep reading them. Uh, we've got uh, Louis Herman Watt and a visit to the TAB next. The voice of sport in New Zealand. Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. The loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz. Racing's biggest fan. Well, Louis, uh, we so look forward to uh, 
Champagne Turf hosting uh, some group racing at the weekend, and uh, after one race, uh, they flag it. Um, and it's uh, oh, it's not a good look, good look for anyone, but I guess it's Tarapa's game this week. Yeah, Champagne Turf, Smithy, more like Shambolic Turf. Just, just terrible. Um, mismanagement on so many levels, and an investigation is underway by New Zealand Thoroughbred Racing to work out exactly what's going on here and where the process is flawed because when you've got senior jockeys and trainers telling you that's not right, well, maybe the track manager or whoever's in charge ultimately and accountable for providing a safe racing surface, they should have an idea as well. So lots of flaws. There was um, some good racing at Matamata as well, though, we shouldn't forget. They managed, they got mm. soaked as well. I think it finished on a slow eight. So... That was pretty close to a heavy at the end of it, um, but, but at least they had um, irrigated enough that they could continue to race, and some good winners, including Dark Destroyer, the Crosshair Gelding, who, who looked a real talent for Wexford Stables, and Andrew Scott and Lance O'Sullivan. Um, this week at Tarapa, yeah. Wow, isn't Tarapa become a real bastion of, <laughs> well, I guess, quality racing this year, Sue? It has, it has, Louis. Uh, just for the uninitiated, and I'll put my hand up uh, as well as one of those, um, where does it all go wrong here? Do, I mean, we're talking about some pretty experienced track men, surely. We're looking at uh, the forecast, we're looking at our condition. We know we should know our track, left, right and centre. We should know every blade of grass on it. So where is the fault here? What, what has happened? Yeah, um Smithy, I think that, uh, look, in my opinion, I, I think there are probably egos at play. And I think this is probably human arrogance oh. to a degree. And I'm just reading between lines, and like that's my opinion. I think this investigation will find out if there's a procedural or a process issue. I feel mostly for the stakeholders, the jockeys that were, and the owners and the trainers that all went and turned up and then had to drive back up the island or head back to the South Island. You know, you think about South Island horses that had come up. Um, where does it go wrong? I, I, I don't know exactly, Smithy, but it needs to stop happening because this industry can't afford to be a joke any longer. It wants to continue to prioritise and pro- promote itself as a sport, you know? Yeah, well, it's, it's even more embarrassing, Louis, after periods of lockdown. I promise you that. Um, you know, here's an opportunity to get it up front and centre, and they missed the boat, horribly missed the boat there. So thank you very much, Louis. Let's go across uh, to Paul Moati. It would have been a disappointing day. Uh, of course, for the TAB. Of course, they're another stakeholder who uh, don't get that, that income. Uh, but, Paul, anyway, let's move on to uh, Monday. I imagine the Black Caps are seriously big outsiders to try and get out of this. Uh, but there's a lot of NFL on today. We can recoup. Yeah, that's right, Smitty. Um, Black Caps, I think they're around $93 to win the uh, second test against India. So, yeah, they're, <laughs> they're right up against it. Only five wickets left with a whole day's play left, but as you said, we've got a bonus back promotion on the Kansas City Chiefs-Denver Broncos game this afternoon. The Kansas City Chiefs, eight and a half point favourites in that game. They're dollar twenty-four at the moment. Denver Broncos at three seventy-five. Uh, of course, to be part of that promotion, um, just head to our website, check out all the T's and C's. Uh, we've also got a bonus back promotion on tonight's Big Bash game against the, the Sydney Thunder and the Brisbane Heat. And Smitty, congratulations. You are the SENZ showdown winner, and you'll have a $500 oh. bonus bet to spend this week. We shall uh, communicate more about that, Mr. Moati. Uh, we're very honoured as the morning's team uh, to be the champions in the inaugural. The inaugural. Uh, yeah, and Justin Thomas getting up this morning out of nowhere.
Morikawa missing a three or four foot putt on the last to ensure he finished in the top five. Staggering. Love that golf. Love that golf as a betting sport. The WCNZ is day or night, summer or winter. He's the sound of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Well, there's never a dull moment in the NRL, uh, that's for sure, especially in the off-season as well. We head uh, across to the Tasman now, as we do at this time every Monday, to say good morning to our SENZ Sydney brother, uh, Andrew Voss. Uh, Voss, good morning to you. Uh, there's a for sale sign on the back of uh, Brandon Smith uh, from the Storm. Is there anyone interested in buying him? Smithy, uh, good morning to you. Can I tell you, I actually hosted a charity function on Friday for Ronald McDonald House over here um, in Sydney. It was down in the southern suburbs and Brandon Smith was a guest on stage. And um, such is the personality of Brandon Smith. He, he was, and, and we being Aussies, I mean, he was having the you-know-what taken out of him by everyone. But he was happy to take the you-know-what um, out of himself. But I thought within it too... I, look, I think the, 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 the truth is he is being shopped around. The one-year deal, uh, does anyone come on board? I don't know. I mean, it's a, it's a really unpleasant situation, really, isn't it? Because such a, how things have turned, such a popular player, and no one begrudges him actually leaving the club, really. You know, it's just business, it's just football. But the way it's all gone about, I wonder if whoever's advising Brandon would maybe attack it a little bit different. You know, the whole tour of the clubs and all of that... Uh, I know media chase stories, so you can't always blame the person. You know, you can't control what's being written. But I do think it was just so visible. I, I think you're allowed to make demands of clubs, aren't you, to say, look, can we just get this negotiation a little more in-house and the open, you know, showing the player off, touring the facilities and all of that sort of thing. I, I don't think it sits well with the club the player's with, and even more so when that player's not going to leave until the season after. I don't think it's a good look, Smitty, and I don't think it's done mm. Brandon any favours for his um, his reputation or image. Meanwhile, the Dolphins have made just the one signing, apparently, so far. Well, that's it, yeah. I mean, um, I, I deal with the listeners every morning here uh, across in Sydney, and, and you know, people are making the assumption, well, Wayne Bennett must be getting nervous. Uh, I, I do think... Um, yeah, one one suggestion, and this is hypothetical, of course, but they needed to basically, let, let's say, hypothetically speaking, they got Kalen Ponga and they got Brandon Smith in a room together and said, we want to sign you both, and we want to sign you both at the same time. And then they go to a price. Now, the, the impact that would have in the market would be fantastic. You know, two key positions of the spine signed up, um, or if you want to play Brandon as middle forward, um, you know, two current stars of a game. That probably would be the impetus towards more signing, but now there's this perception of the Dolphin. Well, people are, perhaps the players are sitting there, well, I don't want to be the one. I don't want to be the poster boy. I I don't want to sign with you until I know who else you're getting. So it's sort of chicken and egg stuff now. I, I think they would be worried. They're not going to say they are because they've got plenty of time to prepare and, you know, things can change with contracts. But but I did expect more of a um, more of an impact from the Dolphins on the signing front. And, and I, I would reckon they've They've missed out. They're, you know, they're batting about. They've had one success probably out of about six or seven players that actually dabbled had a dabble at. Tell us a, a wee bit about this interesting scenario uh, around South Sydney's uh, recruit Anthony Milford. What, what's happening with the NRL there? Alrighty. Um, well, here's the deal. Um, he is on uh, allegations or, or, or being charged with assault. 
um, uh, sending out of an incident up in uh, Brisbane. Now, he was not registered because he'd already finished his ties with uh, the Broncos. He's, he ended his ties with Broncos October uh, 31. That's when your rugby league contracts go from November 1 through to October 31 the following year. So he he was not actually a registered rugby league player when he's been charged here. Now, South Sydney have tried to register um, the contract and have been told, well, no, uh, because of the nature of these charges, it is, you know, into the uh, grounds of the stand-down policy. Now, as a result, they won't register the contract. He's not due to appear in court until February. And with a, with a player not registered, the contract not registered under, the, under this, you know, stand-down policy and the charge, he's not allowed to train with South Sydney. So it's quite a predicament for the Rabbitohs that here they have a player that's, you know, in a key playmaking role new to the club. He will not be able to train with the club this off-season. So even if he is found um, innocent down the track, and, you know, that's entirely possible, he'll have his day in court, uh, he won't have actually trained. It'll be a very rushed job. He'll be behind the eight ball. He may, you know, he can keep, his, he can keep up his personal fitness um, training on his own, but... You know, defensive patterns and attacking plays and all the rest. It's a, it's, a, it's quite a setback to the Rabbitohs' plans for next year. Uh, it's, it's an interesting thing. I mean, I mean, you always talk about administration more so about uh, any sport, of course, when the the game is actually not being played on the field. But uh, here we have another one uh, involving the NRL and its intention to flag uh, its uh, to overall its controversial transfer system. Uh, but the players yep. who will have the ultimate say have no appetite for change. Are we talking the players here or the players' agents, to be fair? Oh, well, you've got to... You know, <laughs> oh, Smith, do you really want me to answer that? Uh, of course the perception <laughs> is that the player managers, why would they want it to change? Why Why would they? You know, they, they're they kept in and they, they seem to be so important, you know, 12 months of the year. And, and, a, and a good manager is important, of course it is. And, you know, there are players that are... Look, don't deny it. I know they've got a bad reputation. They get a bad rap. But don't deny the fact that you know, plenty of managers have done wonderful things for players in giving them direction and, and making sure their, their, you know, their salaries are invested for their future and all of that. So it's not, it's not all bad. But I think there is, there is an underlying thought from fans that, that the manager uh, operates under too much self-interest um, and, uh, and, and you know, you don't get a palatable result in a lot of cases. So um, I, 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 like the, I like the idea of the transfer window. I'm moving to that twice a year, but then I can also see that, you know, some people say, that every time there's an unhappy supporter about a player leaving, you'll find a supporter happy that they've got something to hang their head on, you know, a player signed. So like in the case of Isaiah Papaliki, well, he's not joined the Tigers for 2023, was still good news for the Tigers. They were just happy to get some good news. So it was disappointing for Parramatta. But it was good news for the Tigers, even though they don't get their, their claws on in the 2023. Let's uh, change tack if we can, please. I'm sure there's a big cricket theme uh, to your shows uh, coming up. The Ashes starting, of course, at the Gabba very, very shortly. Uh, but Big Bash Festival season got underway, and uh, we're looking at a, a relatively small crowd, aren't we? 10,000 at the SCG to watch the Sixers stump. The stars first up. Yeah, it wasn't a big crowd. Um, I, I do wonder whether a a look, look this is um, this is the last week for the public schools, the last week of public school, and all the rest. Uh, some schools, obviously, your private schools already off, but um, the year isn't quite up. A Sunday night um, commencement of the competition. I think, in hindsight, maybe not the best. You know, a Friday night or Saturday night for the season might have been. Well, I'm pretty sure, in my opinion, would have been a better option. 
Um, but as for the for the game itself, highest ever total for the Sydney Sixers, just outstanding. The defending champions, um, a few bigger and bolder statements by defending champion in any sport in recent times than what the Sixers did last night. Um, destroyed Melbourne when it was their turn to bat um, with the ball. Uh, Stephen O'Keefe, the spinner, four wickets. And with the bat, Josh Phillippe, Moses Henriques, uh, James Vince, it's just outstanding. Um, it was it was a absolute demolition job done by uh, the Sixers in the Big Bash League, and that rolls on today, Sydney Thunder and Brisbane. Um, and, mm. and then, of course, we've got Ashes Test starting on Wednesday, so great time for cricket right now, this week. It sure is, and and uh, I'm I'm pretty sure one of the reasons is because of the Australian camp has been under the microscope. But I, I'm ne- I've never seen a England uh, about to enter the fray of the Ashes with such a a, a low key type build up media wise. Anyway, they've seriously flown under the radar here. Yeah, well, hid, hidden away in um, in quarantine first up, and then dogged by bad weather for their warm up game certainly hasn't helped. And then perhaps when you say they've um, under the radar, maybe they've wanted to be in light of the uh, racism you know, scandal that they're dealing with in their home country. Perhaps they haven't wanted to be in a prominent position where they're going to find an interview you know, going down that line. So, yeah, it's, a, gee, it's different to when I was growing up. You know, two teams would come out and they'd play, you know, the States and, and you know, you'd have all the two games, you know, full-on games. It'd be you know, England versus mm. New South Wales over four days. And you, you've got to think that... You've got to think England's underprepared. You can't just you can't just have net session after net session and be be ready to play. You wouldn't think, um, and and you know the record in Brisbane is not great. So we'll see how things pan out. Um, we're told there's going to be some typical Brisbane thunderstorms, by the way, Speedy. Uh, looking at the weather forecast, so we have got a few showers around, but not not as dire as what we were looking at last week or two weeks ago. Um, but thunderstorms forecast, and Brisbane can throw down a beauty. Let me tell you. It's yeah, uh, that's super sopper stuff, isn't it? To be fair. Uh, whilst we're on venues, uh, Bossy, there is still speculation over Optus and Perth being a test match venue during these Ashes, which brings into um, a question, of course, if they don't host it, where does it go? Does it go uh, down to Tasmania, which would be uh, quite rare, or do Melbourne or Sydney flog it? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I've done hashtag bugger Perth for quite some time because of their Premier has been very hard to deal with through this whole pandemic, so I think they've lost their chance. But I, I said this morning on my show that bean counters of Cricket Australia would be going, Hobart, you're kidding. <laughs> it's a matches test. Now, we've been through a couple of rough years where they've missed out on income opportunities. I mean, I, I think it's a night test. I, I think Melbourne, even though I'm based in Sydney, I'm, I'm happy with the night test in Melbourne. So that means third test, Melbourne, uh, Boxing Day test, so it's a day test. Fourth test to Sydney, which is a traditional pink test and, and raising money for uh, the Glenn McGrath Foundation and Breast Cancer, um, uh, Jane McGrath Foundation. And then the fifth test could be back in Melbourne under lights, um, I, I, you know, historic test to be the pink ball test. Um, I, and you're drawing you know, huge crowds for that. So it would be a financial winner and, and far removed from what they could possibly offer down in um, Hobart. It's the Ashes. Mm. I, I think it's got to be played in Melbourne or Sydney and I'd go Melbourne. Okay, fair enough. Um, I, was, I imagine there was a little bit of Bathurst talked on your show this morning. Um, Moss Sturt, absolutely outstanding, fastest car. Uh, no doubt there from a New Zealand point of view, a little disappointed in the Van Gisbergen finish to the race, but uh, Moss Sturt was the story. You can't win them all, Smithy. You can't win everything, <clears> okay? <throat> let's, just, let's just put that. Um, 
Now, Charles, uh, Jared's my friend. Look, it's an incredible race, Smitty. And, and it's actually just so, it would have been very like your time, wouldn't it? Um, it started after midday. It's the first week of summer. Um, we actually got quite lucky on the weather because if you had said, well, Bath is first week of summer, gee, you could have a blazing hot day. Or given the weather forecast, we thought we were going to have rain. Well, we ended up with neither. So the conditions were we had six safety cars. Um, and what is it, a 161-lap endurance race ended up, you know, a bit of a sprint. Um, incredible coverage we have, Smitty, too. I mean, the coverage of the supercars, I, look, I think it's the, the equal of anything that the rest of the world can offer. Um, and I said mm. it's the sort of race where you need a seatbelt on your lounge chair. <laughs> you know, you, you're taken inside the car. And there were some terrific moments yesterday, but um, second time for Mossad as a winner. He's co-driver Lee Holdsworth winning it for the first time. Um, it's been a hell of a year in the supercar. Shane Van Gisbergen for champion, but just couldn't quite get the double. That's only happened nine times in our history. The supercar champion's been able to win Bathurst in the same year. Um, just a question. I, I'm, I'm not, I won't be surprised if we lose our transmission here, uh, but just a question for you. Uh, how, many, how many Australian bowlers have got 10 wickets in a test match innings? Well, no, I'm, no I'm, happy to, I'm happy that we've still got a line up there um, because there's, there's none, first of all, is the answer. But <laughs> I actually, I went on record. I'm not a bad resolve. I wish Richard Hadley now in 1985 had have taken 10, that test in Brisbane, because that would have been something to say that two of the four, we, we're in still a brotherhood between us, Smitty. I hope you don't... That, we're not all narky, mate. We don't have to be narky. We can be friends. I think it would be a great achievement if New Zealand could have said well, we've had two of the four in 144 years of Test cricket taking all ten wickets. I still remember it clearly. Hadley, he did take the catch, didn't he, of the other wicket? Yes. Um, in yep. 1985 who was the, in Brisbane. Who was the, who was the batsman? Who was the batsman that he caught? Mm. Yeah. Oh, geez, you're testing me. Oh, Smithy, you, you I wouldn't go. mind betting. You, you I wouldn't mind betting. You've interviewed him a number of times. You might even have worked alongside him in some capacity. Henry Lawson, Jeffrey Henry Lawson. Oh, there you Lawson. go. Right, right. There you go. Mm. Yeah, no, but I think that. Look, I, I've learned more about. It. I've got to say, um, did I know anything about Patel before the weekend started? To be perfectly frank, probably not. Had never noticed him before. Um, but had um, Richard Petrie on the show today, so got to know him a little bit more. Um, and, and, and it's going to be incredible. He will be dropped for the next test, won't he? It's unlikely he'll play the yeah, next he will. test. We had Jason Gillespie you know, make 200 with a bat that time and get dropped the next test. Um, good yeah. chance Patel will get dropped the next test for the Kiwis. Oh, dollar one and shortening, the way we play our, our cricket over here. Yeah. Dollar one and shortening, <laughs> great shame. A great, a great shame, Vossie. Uh, but always great to talk to you, mate. So uh, thank you very much. As, as always, we look forward to the toss of the coin at the Gabba, one of the great moments in sport to me, the beginning of the Ashes. Again, so Smithy, really look you. forward we to that. We can be friends, mate. Yeah. We can be we friends, can. Smithy. Okay, I'll, I'll, work, I'll work on that during the next seven days and talk to you just prior to Christmas, mate. All the best. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, too. Uh, very subdued finish to that interview, but um, just, you know what that is? That's respect. It's just out, straight out respect. 11.17 here on SENZ. Uh, more of your text to read out as we come back shortly. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Well, it certainly has thrown up some great texts from you people this morning. I thank you for that. Uh, Charlie continues to come in. Dan Vittori, slow left arm orthodox. Ajas Patel, slow left arm orthodox. No-brainer. Play him. 
Uh, well, Vittori had uh, a number of things in his favour over Ajaz Patel. One, he was captain for a lot of those times, uh, so they weren't going to leave him out there. Uh, the other matter is he scored a lot of test hundreds as well, uh, Dan Vittori, so um, he outranks uh, Ajaz Patel uh, for a number of reasons. As a pure bowler, sure, but uh, Dan Vittori had a lot more strings to his bow over that la- wonderful, illustrious career than uh, Ajaz Patel at the moment can boast. So um, I like it, Charlie, but uh, not at this point. Have you forgotten about Vittori? Uh, no, I haven't, uh, says uh, Dale. He didn't uh, get left out of too many tests for that reason. Uh, Sodi, Santner and Somerville had been given chances and not delivered. Patel has impressed, no doubt about that. He can be the sole spinner uh, in the test side. Well, he'll be the first choice spinner. There's no doubt about that, Dale. He'll be the first choice one. But uh, you, when you're playing at home, we've continued to say throughout the morning, uh, we tend to play very well. Uh, when we look at our quick bowlers to do the deed for us over a long period of time, and they've done it. I mean, that's the reason why the, we are number one ranked team in the world is because of the way we've bowled and used our conditions at home, and that unfortunately has not involved the likes of Ajaz Patel, who has yet to get a, a wicket in New Zealand conditions. So if you're looking to pick, you can't pick out a sentimental uh, sentimentality. You have to go uh, to rhyme or reason, and the reason at the moment would be Bolt, Southey, Wagner, Jameson. Simple as that. Uh, Jeff says, uh, I think it's got to be the greatest sporting achievement. Probably wouldn't be, uh, would be easier to decide if we'd have won the match or at least played well. Unfortunately, slightly overshadowed by the result, Jeff, from Roxburgh. Absolutely. I totally agree with you there. Uh, Smithy, uh, when Taylor decides to retire, let's try Ravindra at three with Williamson at four. Just can't wait for those ashes. Hope England can get up in Brisbane. Brisbane. Uh, that would be nice if England were able to win the first one. That would really set the ashes up. Uh, Steve says, uh, Morning Smithy, what an amazing feat by Ajaz. If you do have to put Sir Ed in the equation, I would have to put Ed at the top. He wasn't the second or third to climb Everest. He was the first, plus the added factor that there was no guarantee that he would make it off the mountain. I also find it hard to drop Sir Richard's achievement below that of Ajaz. So I would have them sitting equal, sitting equal, uh, and second equal behind Sir Edmund Hillary. High praise indeed, Steve. High praise indeed. And I'm not going to differ with you at all uh, on that particular performance. Uh, good morning. An absolutely brilliant achievement. And our overall poor performance can't detract from it. Should be part of bowling attack wherever they play, continue his quality spin. Uh, would Australia drop Shane Warne? No, they would not drop Shane Warne. Wrist spinner. Uh, and uh, obviously over a period of time, uh, Brian, uh, over a period of time, developed into an absolute must-pick anytime, anywhere. Uh, can turn it on surfaces that AJ, uh, AJ Patel would not even consider bowling on. So uh, there you go. Um, no, it won't, not in that league. Um, but in this performance, what it does, uh, what it should say to the selectors is, um, you know, if we're looking to spin at all, at all to be a factor in this forthcoming series, you've got to pick me. And it certainly has deserved that. Smithy, I reckon it was always going to be a big ask for Taylor to score runs in India off the back of no cricket. They will pick him for the two tests against Bangladesh, which will give him uh, a record for most test play for a New Zealander. Then if he gets runs, keep picking in. If he doesn't, don't, because uh, you've got young Conway Phillips-Mitchell, who will be there for the next five or six years to take us forward. That's Hayden uh, from the Naki. Um, if Kane was captain, do you think Ajaz gets 10 wickets? Because he would have probably used Jamison Moore. Probably right. Uh, different ca- and, and that was one of the points made by Deepak Patel this morning. 
Uh, he applauds the captaincy of Tom Latham and uh, being consistent and persistent with Patel, enabling him all those overs and all those opportunities to strike. So, And I think once he got to like the six or seven mark, it was always a given that you just had to keep him on and hope of uh, a bit of magic, and he sure delivered in that capacity. John, where does it uh, rate for you? I haven't really uh, asked you. You've uh, been a sporting Juno for a long, long time now, um, covered a lot of events. Um, when, you, when you saw the 10 wickets, uh, where does it rate for you overall? Yeah, it was incredible, and the fact that we're mentioning it alongside Sir Edmund Hillary climbing Everest for the first time kind of tells you just how massive it is. And the stat that gets me is that there's been 145 years of Test cricket, Smithy. That's so much Test cricket, and only three people have ever done it. So for me, I mean, if, if uh, climbing Everest is a sport and we're counting that, then it's number two. But apart from that, it's number one, and there's no other sport where you can complete. Like, is it like in a rugby game, you beating someone a hundred nil and you score all the points? Um, is it along those sort of lines? I just think, and in India, as a spinner, when they play spin so well, and just out of the blue as well, like Sam brought up in the panel, like this isn't Sir Richard Hadley, this is Ajaz Patel, a guy who barely gets a game for New Zealand. He has to be overseas to to get a game, really. So. For me, yep, I think it is number one individual effort from a New Zealander in sport. I can't think of any others. Uh, Peter Snell, I know people have brought up Smithy, and that's someone who you love, don't you? You love those gold medals mm. that Peter Snell won. So, can you? Uh, uh, so, is it is that second for you, Peter Snell, behind Ajaz, or have you have you settled on an order? Uh, I, look, I, I just know how hard it is. Uh, how hard it is to do this, um, you know, and and I, I just I. I so, Against the odds, against the odds, against uh, India in India, uh, their players of spin. It just, I, I just keep thinking of the barriers in the way. Um, no confidence in his ability to rip through a side. Um, never done it at home here. And never really uh, threatened to deceive in, in those regards. He was just regarded as the, the guy who we could perhaps rely on the most, the pick of a poor bunch, um, you know, in terms of performance. And all of a sudden, this has just come um, absolutely mind-blowingly well. Here's another stat. Um, Brian from Wakatani. Hi, Smithy. Here's something else that's probably never happened before. Um, look, we'll take uh, a few guys and a few anoraks to, to dig this one out, if it has been. Halfway here, here we are, halfway through the third innings. Uh, last night, all 25 wickets in the Test match taken by Indian players. 25 wickets to fall um, at that point, and all of them, had been taken by Indians. That is truly, truly staggering. Uh, it is 11.30 here on SENZ. It's Monday, your first chance in the week to get 50 bucks out of uh, the TAB. Uh, we wish you all the best. 0800 150 811. 0800 150 811 is the phone number. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. Certainly is winning the showdown bets. Five out of six golfing bets from Smithy to beat the other show. So that means at some stage this week, Smithy will be putting on a $500 bet for one of our listeners. Uh, but that will come later in the re- week. Right now, it is our daily quiz where we give away 50 bucks from the TAB and some Sleep Drops Daytime Revive, New Zealand's only specialist range of sleep and stress support supplements. And we head down to the deep south, Dunedin and Brad. Good morning. How are you, fellas? I'm very well. What did you make of AJAZ's 10? Um, yeah, pretty pretty outstanding, eh? Um, <laughs> once in a lifetime, for the job's that. 
Yeah, I'm not sure whether he could quite believe it. No one can believe it. It's sensational. Right up there. Right up there. All right, mate. Um, three sporting categories. You choose one. Get three questions right. You win, but get one wrong, and Smithy can stump you. So your sports today are Formula One, cricket, and basketball. Which one? Um... Go cricket, eh? We'll have a crack. Cricket. Love it. Love it when people have a crack. Let's go. First question. Tom Latham is one hell of an opening batsman. He's played 60 tests, has an average of 42. He's made 22 half centuries. And how many centuries has Tom Latham made? Uh, I don't think he's cracked double figures yet. I'll say nine. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. (laughs) Through to the keeper, and that keeper is Ian Smith. Smithy. Right, okay, uh, let's have a look at this. I, I think he has cracked. Um, I, I think uh, it was either 9 or 11 in my mind, and you went the 9, so I have to go the 11. I have to go the 11 test hundreds. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, Ooh. right in the slot, <laughs> and away it goes. Oh, Brad, you tried the cricket option, and like so many before you, you have been stumped by Ian Smith. Yeah, not a problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sometimes you just got to oh, take gosh. it. On it. (laughs) On it. (laughs) Oh, good man, Brad. You can call back any time. Sensational. Which means, Jamie from Nelson, you get an opportunity. How are you, mate? Morning. Yeah, good, thanks. Yourself? Yeah, very well. Very well, thank you. How would you have gone with that first question? Uh, Nope. Just lost you for a second there, Jamie. You still there? Yeah, still here, mate. All right. All right. We'll get on to question number two then for you. In centimetres, how tall is the Ashes urn? Uh, Eleven. That's a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. 10.5 centimetres tall, rounded up to 11. Sensational, Jamie. Well done. Oh, great. What a <laughs> from? Do you just Did walk you around with a roller, from? Jamie? Oh, mate. I thought 11 people on the cricket team. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. That's one of the best we've had, I'd say, uh, since we've been on air. Well done to you, Jamie. So one more question, mate. Get this right, and you take home all the prizes. So... When was the last time New Zealand beat India in a test match in India? What year? Oh, mate. Oh, Smithy will know this. You certainly will. Uh, yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> Happened to be there. Oh, there you go. 1984. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. It's going to be a jackpot, isn't it, Smithy? How do you spell jackpot? Jackpot. Jackpot. Actually, it was um, 1988. 1988. And I remember it well. uh, And uh, didn't remember it very much the next day, but I can tell you it was well worth celebrating. 1988. 33 long years ago. But, John, you better verify that for a start, actually. Oh, OK, yeah, yeah. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, <laughs> right in the slot, 
underwear goes. Oh, unlucky, Jamie. Unlucky. You got one brilliant one right and one wrong, but that's the way this game works. It jackpots to $100 tomorrow. So unlucky, Jamie. Uh, cheers, boys. Have a good one. Yeah, same to you, mate. Have a great day. Uh, yeah, so... Ah, oh, wow. That was a nice friendly one for me. Uh, John, you stumped me with the ashes. I had no idea. I was trying to work it out of my head. I've only ever seen it in a glass case. Uh, I've never seen it actually or been able to hold it because it's such a fragile thing. They never take it out of the case. It never moves uh, because it's so brittle. Uh, so well, when they present it at the end of this Ashes series, it will be a replica uh, Ashes urn. So never ever uh, really has uh, many people actually in the latter years been able to uh, cast their eyes on it. You, you, you look at some of the trophies they bring around and you've got to put white gloves on to touch it. Uh, they don't even let you touch it. They don't even let you near it. Uh, so there's, there we go. So <coughs> Ashes Urn, 11, 10.5 centimetres. Store that one away for a pub quiz. Uh, 11.37 here on SENZ. Uh, when we return, uh, we shall have uh, a little bit more to talk about, including some more of your texts. Uh, and uh, certainly Ajaz Patel, and cricket is the subject of the day, so uh, keep them coming in, and we'll talk about them. Sport in New Zealand. Superman. Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yeah, EPL results today. English uh, Premier League leads to Brentford 2, Manchester United 1, Crystal Palace 0, uh, Tottenham 3, Norwich 0, Aston Villa 2, Leicester 1. Just to break up the cricket a wee bit, it's pretty hard to get away from it because everything that's coming in uh, is related to the cricket, and why not, I guess, uh, on uh, the reflection of a very historic performance. Uh, Mark says, Hi, Smith, if we want to compete versus the top teams overseas, then having a balanced attack will do that, especially in Oz, England in July as well. And having uh, pitches uh, at home that aren't always easy to easy pace roads will help. The two left armers, Bolt and Wagner, are fighting it out for the drinks. Uh, Mitchell at seven, that's uh, Mitchell who's... Uh, performing as an all-round role there, and the fourth seamer along with Patel. Regards from Mark. Yeah, isn't it interesting now that in such a short space of time in a little tour of uh, India, we're now talking about people like Bolt and Wagner missing out. Uh, I mean, they're just absolute givens. And I still believe, Mark, contrary to uh, your opinion, which is a good one, uh, that they still will be the hot favourites uh, because uh, they're at home. Uh, that's where they live. That's their home deck. Uh, everything just saw the stars sort of align. Uh, it's up against uh, a Bangladesh side, which is uh, quite interesting in itself. Uh, but I, I just, I just got a feeling uh, that at this point, uh, Patel might be in the starting uh, in the uh, 12 or 13 they take to the ground uh, and prepare for the test match because you need quality spinners in the nets as well to prepare your batsmen. But I just don't think, I just don't think at this point, along with Mike Hessen, uh, that AJ Patel. Uh, will be part of the actual playing 11. Dean says, Smithy, let's be honest, uh, have any Indians ever done what Patel has achieved? In those conditions, when they're quick smoked us, he's my number one. Rugby's my game, but Patel has done what only two others in history have actually done, only two others in history. Uh, was he not out also? Yes, he hasn't been dismissed in this series from a batting point of view. I don't think he's been out. And New Zealand cricket have always had the batting issue. The Indians come down the wicket, they show and tell us how to bat. Our top two inches is lacking big time when it comes to batting, in my opinion. Baz showed what you need to do, attack, and get the bowlers under pressure. I don't think there was enough of, of that. Uh, really, I don't think there was uh, enough of that in the two series, uh, two tests, uh, actually, in this series, putting enough pressure on to remove those players around the bat instead of letting them 
just come in and envelop you. Uh, listening to uh, Ian ask Fossey how many Aussies have taken 10 wickets in a test, uh, forgot to say then bowled out for 62, shows just how wet he is. That's me. That's me. Uh, you're referring to me as being wet. Uh, well, I'm not. Uh, we're talking about 10 wickets, 10 wickets in an innings. We're not talking about the 62. You think I'm proud of that? Uh, I'm not wet uh, at all, to be perfectly honest, appreciating the good performance. At the end of the day, I also realise uh, that um, we won't win the test match. In fact, we won't, probably won't go past lunch today, so we're going to get smashed in three and a half days. So uh, if that's being wet, I'm soaked. Uh, absolutely soaked. Uh, uh, John, um, if we want to... Yeah, I, I, I get those texts coming in. Um, also, um, if Kane was captain, do you think AJ's get 10 wickets? No, he probably wouldn't. Um, he's got a different style of captaincy. Tom Latham absolutely supported him. He found that he was on a winner. And stayed with that. Uh, on the subject, John, and you put that this in your notes this morning, this interesting scenario that uh, Bangladesh have named their team to come here. Uh, and uh, Shakib Al Hussain has been included in Bangladesh's squad for the two-match test series against New Zealand. And he is uh, absolutely a world-class all-rounder, um, uh, Shakib Al Hussain. Uh, but he says he didn't want to be on the tour. But unofficially, uh, that's behind the scenes. Uh, according to the board president, Nazmo Hassan, he hasn't informed us officially. He's told us unofficially, so we've picked him anyway. Uh, he has to give us a reason. Uh, contributes to the battle ball. He strengthens the team. There's no substitute in our country, really, for Shakib. Uh, I find that um, quite incredible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't want to come, but we've picked, we've picked him anyway. He's had an interesting last few years, hasn't he? Was he banned at one point recently? He wasn't at the T20 World Cup, was he? Because he got banned for... Some dodgy dealings off the field. He's been the standout Bangladesh player for the last five, ten years. He's like been probably number one ranked all-rounder in the world simply for the fact that he scores most of their runs and takes most of their wickets. So if they come down here without Shakib, uh, you can probably take away their 5% chance of winning the T-Series and maybe give them a zero smithies. He's that good. But how strange to have your best player unofficially tell their board that he doesn't want to go and then they pick him anyway. So there's some sort of disconnect here between Shakib and the Bangladesh cricket board, you'd imagine, Smithy, which is pretty bad when he's your best player. Yeah, it is. Uh, that has been for a long time. And this is what happens, uh, I think, also when you get... Uh, he's made a lot of money, absolute poultice of money out of the IPL. Uh, and there where you get into a situation where... Money uh, makes you more powerful in that regard. You start to lose your desire to come on certain tours. He knows full well coming here is not his ideal scenario. He comes here, he's going to do a lot of bowling on a pitch which won't help him. Uh, he's going to be under pressure with the bat to perform. It's not going to be a pleasant time for him. He doesn't see too much of an upside. So why not stay at home, uh, bank the check from the IPL and get ready for a little bit, bit, bit more T20 action? Uh, I'm pretty sure that would be part of it, unless he's carrying an injury, and they certainly haven't divulged that. Yeah, yeah. No, I think you're bang on there. A week in quarantine as well uh, when you get here. It's probably not ideal for Shakib. I see Aussie have named their 11 uh, for the first test, Smithy. First Ashes test on Wednesday at the right. Gabba, and they do have Mitchell Stark in their side, which on past deeds, brilliant. But even the great Shane Warne was saying hey, maybe they shouldn't play Mitchell Stark in this game. So their batting order, Marcus Harris with David Warner at the top as well. And then Shane, Steve Smith's Travis Head, Cameron Green, Alex Carey, Pat Cummins, Mitchell Stark, Nathan Lyon and Josh Hazelwood. What do you make of that Aussie 11 for that first test? Very predictable. Uh, very, very predictable. The only uh, 
two question marks were, of course, uh, was who going to replace Tim Payne, Alex Carey, and who was going to take that uh, uh, vacant opening spot, Marcus Harris, uh, who's been tried before um, and has gone away, worked on his game and come back. Uh, he's a gritty little player. He's nice, quite a nice little four for David Warner, actually. Uh, so uh, that, that's a very solid side. Um, it's almost feud-like, the, the thing between Shane Warner and Mitchell Stark. He's been gunning for him, uh, Warney, for quite some time now on the fact that he thinks he's got through uh, with some fairly lacklustre periods in his career and they've continued to pick him. Uh, so there you go. Um, that, to me, is a fairly, fairly standard sort of a side. I look now forward to seeing what England will do to counter that, but... There's a statement saying, right, we've had so much uncertainty um, around our, our cricket, so much uncertainty about the dressing room. Here's a bit of certainty. Two days out, this is our team. Two days out, this is our team. That's very interesting in its own right. Yeah, absolutely. It's real, like, don't forget who the boss is in this relationship. It's, it's Australia, you know, with confidence. Everything they do with confidence, even though they may not be confident, They'll show you that they are, and they'll wait till they get to the Gabber. I'm looking forward to it, Smithy, and yeah, holding out not much hope. What did we get told by the TAB earlier for New Zealand to win this test against India? 95 bucks? Not enough. Absolutely not enough. They should put 1,000 on it. Put 1,000 on it. 1,000 on it to win it. <laughs> win it! Oh, goodness me. Uh, John, just a recount a late text in. Who won last night's BBL game, please? It was the Sydney Sixers. They've got two teams in Sydney, don't they? The Sixers beat the Melbourne Stars. I think they scored about 200, and then the Stars scored about 60. So they comfortably won that one. Yeah, Josh Felipe scored uh, 83 from 47 balls to set it up. So there you go. That's an answer to that. Uh, We'll take a short break. When we come back, uh, we'll link in with Staffy before midday.